And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love the win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation on the Athletic Podcast Network post-game edition after the Raiders' 30-27 overtime loss to the Chargers. You got Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Wynn, Tashawn Reed ready to break it down for you. And uh, guys, I mean, season's basically over. 7-7 seven and seven now. They were at once 6-3 and three and looking at the, on paper, easiest record remaining in the NFL. And uh, everything's really falling apart. I mean, the only win they have since getting to six and three was that, you know, really moral defeat almost uh, the the miracle win at, in New York. You know, although hey, we give them credit they they did play really well in that Chiefs loss. Um, but since then, it's just been all bad. And and this was a game that I think blame for this defeat can probably go to very very many areas on this roster and and in this coaching staff. It was an interesting game. It was a weird game, obviously, with all the ups and downs. When Derek Carr went down and Mariota came in, I thought he played really well. I thought definitely gave him a chance to win. But I think, uh, obviously, we know the defense is not going to come through for him. It happened again tonight. I also think Gruden's play calling left a lot to be desired. So I thought he definitely uh, had a bad game tonight. So those, to me, were the two biggest reasons why they lost tonight. Yeah, I was pretty surprised, you know, just the number of kind of weird decisions that came from Gruden. Like he's had moments this season where we're like, oh, he shouldn't have been that conservative or whatnot. But like the entire end of the first half was just strange with how conservative they were, you know, getting the ball back around two minutes left and three timeouts and you run it on the first play and then throw two passes short of the marker. And then at the end of the fourth quarter, you know, they're in a situation where you have a first down at 20, 21 yard line really just need a field goal to win the game. And for some reason they throw it and it gets intercepted when they could have just, you know, been, I guess, more conservative and run the ball. And so it was kind of like he was running when he should have been passing and passing when he should have been throwing. And so it was a really off game for Gruden. And I think obviously that wasn't the only reason why they lost, but, you know, I think you could argue that that could have been the difference in a a close game like this. I feel like the pass that got intercepted late, I don't blame him that much for the pass because one strange thing in this game was that the Raiders – Offensive line is healthy, but they could not get any push on the Chargers' defensive line. You know, the, the numbers are boosted because of Mariota's runs on the zone reads. Jacobs had a couple nice runs, but for most of the game, he's, he was pretty inefficient, not getting a lot of push. There was times where he got hit in the backfield, and that definitely affected the play calling. And I don't really fault that Mariota interception on him because, you know, it was actually a good call. The guy was wide open. Mariota just missed it. It is concerning that this uh, offensive line that, you know, they poured so much money in just can't get a push on one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. It was such a strange game with, you know, obviously the defensive failures, the Gruden decision-making that it's, it's 
weird that, I mean, Derek Carr leaving early in this game with the groin injury, and we'll see the severity of it. But, you know, I don't think it would surprise anybody here if, if it means that Carr has to miss the next game or two. I mean, at this point, if their playoff hopes end up completely dashed by the end of next week, you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to run him out there in week 17. But everything else weird happened, kind of almost made that not as huge of a storyline. But it was a, a big part of this game that they lose Derek Carr. And, you know, Mariota came in and, and really did kind of give this offense a little bit of a jolt. Not that they've been bad by any means with Derek Carr, but it was a different offense that they kind of adjusted to on the fly. The zone read, Mariota making plays with his feet and Mariota's been a mystery to all of us. I mean, you know, Vic and Tashawn, you guys got to see him a little bit in training camp. The rest of us, you know, if you weren't one of those select few media members that was there at training camp watching him practice, you've never seen Marcus Mariota play in a Raiders uniform until tonight with no preseason. I know the reviews from you guys in, in training camp were terrible and take away the interception uh, was pretty good. Yeah, that was not the guy we saw in training camp, the guy tonight. He looked uh, like he had fresh legs. If it looked like he was really energized, and I guess he's healthy now. And it's, most of his throws are on time. He missed two or three throws. One of them cost him the, the interception, but it's pretty sharp accuracy-wise. I thought he definitely showed a lot of poise in the pocket and made plays. And they're going to give him a chance to win. I just think that was all, all you can ask for out of your number two quarterback is give your team a chance to win. So I think um, definitely a new element to the, the whole run option thing. To me, I wish they'd run it more often. I think you carry, what he said, nine times for 88 yards. I think that on that last drive of overtime, I think over there in the goal line uh, area, I think one more may have been a difference. One more one more run to him, I think they, they win that game. It was a pretty drastic turnaround from what we saw from him in, in training camp, for sure. I mean, obviously he was legitimately injured back then and for most of the season. That's why he hasn't you know been the backup quarterback. But you know, I think he exceeded most people's expectations tonight. Um, you know, obviously the interception was, was a bad throw, and he had a, probably a couple more passes that could have been intercepted as well. Um, so it wasn't a perfect game by any means, but it was probably as much as you could expect, you know, with him coming in, having zero snaps this season, not having many practice snaps. You know, having offensive coordinator Greg Olson, he missed the game due to COVID-19-related reasons, so... Factoring all that in, you know, being without Henry Ruggs, you know, on the on the COVID list as well, you know, I don't think Mariota could have played much better. Yeah, you forget how much of a, a physical freak Mariota is. I mean, he, you know, he's six five, and he looks like he'd probably run four five, four six out there, which is pretty fast for a quarterback. I kind of wish that they used Mariota in kind of a what uh, the Saints do with Taysom Hill a little bit more during the season because I think that would have solved a lot of short yardage goal line problems the Raiders had during the season and why not you're paying a guy that much money you know why don't you use him out there and um you know he, he showed tonight that he is a threat on the perimeter you know and obviously what this game does for Mariota's future will be interesting we know the Raiders signed him to a two-year deal only the first year was guaranteed he would be due if the Raiders kept him uh, a 10 million dollar base salary next season which you don't imagine they would keep him at that salary as a backup quarterback. And um, we're, we're not going to sit here and start discussing uh, if, if he should replace Derek Carr on the basis of, you know, one game. But he certainly tonight earned himself the right to, to get a job somewhere. You know, if it's not with the Raiders to, to get a job somewhere else next year, um, where can he, he can at least compete for the starting job? I mean, I, if he can put together a couple more games like this, especially. But tonight he did enough to make him an interesting option for teams. 
Yeah, if he plays the next two games, it'll be fun to watch what happens. Because like tonight, the Chargers weren't really you know, ready for him. And even after the first three or four runs, they were a slow surprise. He's playing the option. Oh, there he goes again. Oh, wait. But uh, I think the next week, it's the Dolphins and the Broncos. Definitely better defensive uh, coach teams. I think they'll be ready for him. So it'll be good to see what he can do when a team is ready to play him. Yeah, he's going to have a, a tough challenge ahead of him against Miami, who blitz a ton. And he's going to be have to just be really on top of his mental game. So it's going to be a, a whole different challenge next week. But it is interesting to see what he, he can do if, if Carr can't go. Yeah, we talked to Gruden after the game. You know, I asked him about Carr, and he didn't have any immediate updates. But, you know, he said he, he doesn't think it's a tear, but it, he does think it's you know a pretty significant groin injury. And you'd have to think any kind of even a, a strain, you know, something that might keep him out, you know, for a game or two, which is, you know, all they have left here. So... And considering, you know, that the playoffs are probably out the picture, like if, you know, Carr has a significant growing injury, I don't know if it's really worth maybe risking him and making that a worse injury by throwing him out there, especially when Mariota just came off the game like he did. Plus, if you're Gruden, you paid with $7 million for his new cool toy. You want to play with it now. You have a chance to play it for two weeks. You want to give it a run and see what it can do. It's all the different uh, turns corners and hit the gas. And so I'm sure John will be uh, – he's miserable enough and they're not going to – make the playoffs, but at least it'll give him a chance to have some fun the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll see what he can do, but um, we have to talk about this defense. Uh, they make the change to Rod Marinelli and, you know, fairly predictable that they're in three days, you know, they're not going to be able to remake this defense. And basically we saw more of the same. So many just soft open zones, uh, wide, wide lanes for running backs to get through, um, just open lanes for, for receivers, just, um, you, you see the the play that basically set up the game winning touchdown where Keyshawn Nixon can't stay with a guy and, and ends up being a big 53 yard, I think, uh, pass to set the charges up in position to win this game. Trayvon Mullen had uh, just probably his worst night in the league, maybe since maybe if you include the uh, his his debut when he got forced into action in week one last season. But um, just uh, another frustrating night for this defense. Yeah, I thought Mullen looked off from the get-go. I don't know if he had you know, his bad body language, but it just seemed like he wasn't himself for whatever reason. I think in the, those two plays at the end of the first half, I couldn't understand what what he and Wally were trying to do. They were obviously not communicating with one another, and to give up two plays back-to-back for a touchdown in the last seconds of the half. Or, that was a killer. That was a killer sequence for them, not, not scoring themselves. When the Chargers call timeout and get the ball back and score a touchdown, that was a Really, probably a difference in the game for me. So, defense. I thought I'll say one thing. I thought they did though. I thought they implemented an effort to stack the box. I think that was something they wanted. Like you know, we're not going to be terrible at both. We're going to be terrible at both against the run and against the pass. We're going to pick one. He'll kill us there. We're not going to eat you know on both sides of the table. So, yeah. Until the end of the game, when they had that big run, the run defense was mostly good. But I mean, it looked like a defense that didn't have six starters on the field. Obviously, that's, that's not an excuse, but. When the defense is as bad as it is, and, and half of it or over half of it is out of the game, I mean, you don't expect so much, you know, especially when a, a you know one of your better defensive players and Moan had an awful game as well, you know, and having a coordinator switch on a short week, like I don't think any of us expected the defense to have a a good one, so it didn't surprise me at all. It didn't surprise me that they played bad. It just it surprised me how bad Mullen played because Mullen has been probably you, you could argue he might be the best Raiders defender, which might not be saying much, but he has been pretty good throughout the season. I, I talked to one defensive coach from 
one of the better NFL defenses that Dot Mullen might be the only player on the Raiders that might be a starter on his defense. And I don't think he'll play this badly again. I agree. I, I think he did look a little off. Like he just kept on slipping. He just did not look right. But I think he's been pretty solid throughout the season. And, and one bad performance doesn't mean, you know, he's the worst corner in the world. I give Gruden a hard time on making excuses earlier this week. But I have to admit, I mean, when you signed Darren Worley off, you know, the Cowboys cut him when he was so bad. When you sign him off the couch, he has to play for you in, in key moments. That's definitely a valid excuse. That's a, something you didn't envision happening, something that, you probably got people got to take into account. That's not really what you had uh, your mind made up on happening for your team at this point in the season. Towards the end of the first half, they were trying to play a lot of Tampa two, which they don't play a lot of. But you know that's kind of what Rod Marinelli is known for that playing um, that soft Tampa two zone. Mullen just did not look comfortable playing it, you know. And then obviously Daryl Worley looked like he was lost in space out there as a deep safety. Yeah, on that touchdown before the half, half it was like. The Chargers basically threw it to the same route back-to-back, and they played the same coverage, and neither one of them did anything differently on a touchdown. That was just kind of – like I said, it's only been three days, so they have to get used to something new. But you would think, I mean, they just did it. <laughs> Somebody would react to it, you know, either Mullen or, or really over the top. But, yeah, it was just I, – I was surprised they didn't honestly give up more points tonight the way the defense was playing until overtime they didn't you know hit the 30-point mark. But part of that was because the Chargers kept running the ball, even though they, they weren't having that much success. Yeah, that's really weird. They could, they could throw another one or two, but like, no, we're going to establish the run. <laughs> we can get whatever we want in the passing game, but watch this. Watch this two-yard carry. Anthony Lynn's Anthony yeah, Lynn, he's man. a special coach. Ooh. I don't know. He's not going to be around much longer, but he definitely – the two games we watched live, it's been eye-opening for me to watch um, uh, his the moves he makes. That's going to be an attractive head coaching opening when he gets fired. I mean, somebody's going to want to come in there and uh, see what they can do with Justin Herbert. It's scary to think what Herbert can be – when they get a competent coaching staff in there and get him some better protection because he was playing with a hobbled Keenan Allen, a hobbled Mike Williams. And there were times where he made, he made throws where that's the only spot the ball could be in. And he, and he put it there with ease and he just looks like you can't, you can't rattle him. So just kind of a scary proposition for the Raiders because they're going to have to face off against Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. Hey, don't forget about every, you know, Roger lot, man. Come on, show some respect. Andrew Locke. Oh, my bad. My bad. Oh, man. <laughs> they might be happy to see Drew Locke two times a year. <laughs> we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. But now, you know, we're talking here about six defensive starters missing, having to throw Daryl Worley in there. All that lends more to the idea that you got to go for it on fourth down and not just kick that field goal there in overtime, right? I mean, can you really ever a game in the hands of your defense if you have a, an, another option. Well, see, I have more problems with the end of the first half and end of regulation than I do with the overtime decision because, man, it just got stuffed on three straight plays. Like, I got to figure fourth and five looks like a mile. You're like, man, that's a long way to go. And you're like, I don't know if we're going to make it. So I think, I mean, obviously, I like his calls on first, second, or third down. But when you get to that point, it's fourth and five, and you're like, man, I don't know. I'm, that's a, I just think it's a long way to go if you're thinking maybe we'll kick a field goal, maybe we'll get lucky. I don't know, but because if you don't, if you go for it and don't make it, then all of a sudden you don't have, you can't win the game. Your, your best case scenario is tying, is tying the game. So I think that's also part of the whole decision making process. I don't know, man. With the Chargers, anything possible? Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But I just think uh, they had more success on you know, the first three plays than I think they could have made it a shorter situation. And I'm sure if it was fourth and two, I'm sure they go for it. But fourth and five is a long way to go. And you definitely uh, just had three really bad plays in a row. I think. You got to kick the field goal there, but I mean, it's like, but it's a defense is so, so bad that to even have to consider going for it in a fourth and five in overtime is kind of insane, but that's just where they're at. That third down call, I think was pretty tough because, you know, you can't run the ball on third and five and you want to pass it, but at the same time, your play calls are pretty limited with a back quarterback that hasn't spent that much time practicing these calls. So you want to throw something safe, you know? So I was thinking maybe a goal line fade, but he decided to do a rollout. And when you roll out, you cut down half the field, but you do give your quarterback a chance to throw the ball away. If it's not there, I guess that's what's kind of, kind of happened. So conservative, but it, it was a hard call. And I, I agree with kicking the field goal at that point. Yeah. I think I had more of an issue not, maybe doing like a zone read on first down or second round. And I, I would have wanted to see Mariota running it at least once, given how successful that had been the whole night. I think he was our leading rusher tonight. So maybe first down, zone read, Mariota, if that doesn't work, then give it to Jacobs up the middle. And then if that doesn't work, you can throw it on third down. And if you're going to throw it, I would not have Waller in pass blocking. And I, I mean, Waller, they couldn't co- they couldn't cover him. So I think if if you are a new quarterback, I was Mariota figured out pretty quickly, that guy's pretty good. If I'm looking for 83, I'm going to throw him the ball. He's, so, I mean, obviously, I think that can happen also in the red zone, even if they are going to cover him better than they had been. I think he's that good a player. You can have to force him the ball if he had to. So, I'd rather see that, throw a Darren Waller in traffic than 
a throw to Alec Ingold, you know, three at the three yard line. We have to break some tackles to get in the end zone. Not a good situation all overall. Um, so big picture, what does this do for the Raiders? I mean, seven and seven, like we said, not you know pretty much out of the playoff picture. Uh, John Gruden's third year back here, not made the playoffs in in any of these three seasons. It looks like. Um, we'll see if they can win a game. Uh, to avoid uh, what would be just a, a monumental collapse to uh, a seven and nine record, um, mirror essentially what they did last year, where they were six and four and, and ended up seven and nine. I don't think any of us thinks that John Gruden is getting fired or anything, but if this was any other situation, it, you know, any other coach with any other team, and and third year in, you have a collapse like this, a second straight year, you would probably be getting fired. I don't know, fired, just especially with the nature of. Like this season, I know we've seen some coaches get fired already, but with them, you know, I think having like 21 guys go on the wrong list and a bunch of injuries and stuff like that. Like he, I think he, he might be able to skate even, you know, if he was another coach, you know, with a seven to nine or eight and eight finish. But the pressure would definitely be on going into that fourth year. Like the leash would not be very long. But obviously Gruden having that 10 year contract, he has a ton of cushion behind that and so he's not in any kind of danger I don't think but even under with a normal coach I think he probably wouldn't get fired because of this I don't think. Well the problem is that I think John's several times this year said they have a lot more talent than they had last year so that is true and despite the injuries and the COVID stuff and if you have a lot more talent and you end up with the same record that's not going to be a good thing I just think that um, plus their defense taking definitely a step backer from last year almost I think Last year, we're talking about this great draft class they had last year, and a lot of those guys haven't really, I mean, Cleveland Farrell had a better year this year, but I'd say Max Cross probably has not. I think Abram definitely is now a major question mark. I think, um, so I think some of those guys looked as being their centerpieces, and they're like, oh, is that guy really going to be a foundation piece? So, and the, we haven't talked about this year's, you know, free agency. This year's free agency was a disaster. So I'm not sure. You got to look at this roster all of a sudden, like who really is, a key part of a winning team or a playoff team. And I'm not sure there are that many people, as many as you thought of it at, at the beginning of the, of the season. I think one thing that you do have to consider is that this defense is kind of a mess. You know, it there were so many miscommunications and, you know, situations where you have 10 players on a field, 12 players on a field, so many coaching problems with this defense that obviously the talent is not good, but there are probably some guys that are underperforming that might play better if they go to another team. Like we've seen that happen with the Raider defenders in the past. There could be that. And I think as a positive note, I do think Mullen was a lot better than he played and Arnett has flashed. So I think at least you might have two quality corners looking forward. You know, the other big picture, you know, I think takeaway that that's concerning, you know, you, you mentioned Arnett has flashed a little bit, although he's obviously struggled to stay on the field. You know, they've got nothing essentially out of this year's draft class. And, you know, I know Josh DeBow of the AP reshared on Twitter, the quote from, uh, from Mike Mayock, when he talked about having three third round picks in, in this draft, that that was like stealing, you know, if they do the right thing, that should be three starters. Those three picks were Brian Edwards, who got all that preseason hype, got hurt and we've essentially never heard from him since even though he has been back and it does get some snaps Lynn Bowden who they will see next Saturday night uh, when he comes into uh, town with the Dolphins they, they traded him away and he had a he actually had a big game as you know, it was seven catches 82 yards for the Dolphins last week 
And then, of course, Tanner Muse. Yeah, that's a good pick. Yeah, yeah not for them. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tanner Muse, who obviously has, has been injured uh, and really wasn't even, you know, wasn't at a level that he could have played in the NFL this year. Yeah. And then, I mean, the two first rounders, I mean, Ruggs hasn't been that productive and he's had injuries. And now, you know, being on the, the COVID-19 list and then Damon Arnett, the same thing. Shoot, even the later picks and Meek Robertson, he's really struggled when he's been out there. And John Simpson didn't play well early in the season. He's been active the last few games. So this offseason in general, between the draft and free agency, it, it feels like a lot of misses. I know, you know, it's only one season, so I guess you can't completely write off those guys. But when it comes to the immediate impact that you expected to get from those guys this season has been a pretty huge letdown. How long of a leash does uh, Mike Mayock get from Gruden? I, again, I'm not suggesting that Mayock's going to be fired by Gruden after this season, but I could see Gruden, you know, kind of making some comments or could kind of offhandedly suggest that they didn't get, do a good enough job in the offseason and maybe trying to pin some of that blame on Mayock. They got in trouble last year for playing this game with uh, Mike about Mike and, and John, but I will say that I think firing Gunther when they did, now you have three games to watch the, the defense with a new a new coordinator with, you know, Gruden's guy, Rod Marinelli. So if the results are the same, then I don't think John's going to blame the players too much. So probably blame why they brought these players in, like why why they missed so badly for agency. So I think that's why, at that point, I think the focus could turn into Mike Mayock. So I definitely can see the, the spotlight shifting from, you know, the, the coordinators to the players to Mayock when the season's over as far as the guys they brought in this year who haven't done much on defense. All right. Well, the Raiders are in. Uh, they're in trouble. They're in trouble. They're dead. They're in trouble. I mean, we all had thought this was a team that was nine and seven. Maybe if they get things going right, they could be ten and six. And obviously, nine and seven can still happen. I don't think it's likely. Um, and nine and seven will not likely be enough to make the playoffs. It's a disappointing year, no matter how you look at it for the Raiders. You know, we'll see if they can salvage it the last couple of weeks. Thank God a great win was lost his mind and put no safeties back there. Otherwise, they'd have lost five in a row and it'd be a total bonfire. So, Greg Williams, the Raider fans should raise their glass to him for that win because otherwise it'd be a real nightmare right now. But I don't know if they start. I mean, a lot of Raiders fans they transitioned to to the draft. So shit, they might have they might have won at that loss. <laughs> Fucking give me a better draft pick, man. Come on now. Yeah, it's true, man. By halftime, I'm like, hey, Vic, man, let's talk draft. Like, oh, I'm not talking draft with you fools. But uh, it's funny they they, they turn quick, man. Not only with the draft talk, but also now there's a. I'm sure there's gonna be a quarterback controversy on Twitter now. So. Uh, Raider fans will always keep themselves entertained despite the losses. All right. Well, we'll get into the quarterback controversy once we know a little bit more about about cars. Are you saying there's a quarterback controversy? Oh, man. No, no, no. Like you said, it'll be fun to to see if Carr doesn't play the last couple of games. It'll be fun just to see what Mariota can do. I mean, this was that was an entertaining part of tonight's game. You know, just seeing what Mariota could do. And Carr's had a great year. We know what the Raiders can be with Carr if they can give them a competent defense, I, I think they're a playoff team. But it'd be fun to just see what Mariota can do over the last couple of games if he in, does indeed play. I saw people tweeting quarterback controversy after Mariota completed his first <laughs> pass. So, yeah, this is a <laughs> this is an easy, easily excitable fan base. <laughs> easily excitable, easily depressed, you know. It's been a rough 20 years, man. Those poor bastards. I mean, the one winning season, I mean, God dang, I, I feel bad for these guys wearing their face paint and going to these games, and they support this team like crazy, and just uh, every year, man, like this year's been a real kick in the groin. I mean, they had their hopes up high, and they're 6-3, and three and yada, 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 and now begging for a win against the Broncos in the last game of the year, so we'll see. 
All right, well, that'll wrap up this episode of State of the Nation. We'll be back next week to get you ready for the Lynn Bowden revenge game as the Dolphins and Tua Tagovailoa come to town. The Hawaiian Bowl. 